everybody, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Stick and Puck podcast. Yes, that's right, the 10th episode. We're in double digits, baby, and I'm joined as always by Jack. Jack, say what's up to the people. What's up to the people? See, this is just going to be our routine from now on. It's my favorite uh, intro, and <laughs> while we're on the topics of favorites and least favorites, um, the All-Star Weekend wasn't that good, Jack. Let me uh, hear your thoughts on that. Yes, and on the subject of trying to be extremely funny, but it's just coming off so dry that you need to immediately take a sip of water like that intro. Um, I think that's actually a very good way to sum up All-Star Weekend. Um, So we can start with the skills competition. Right off the bat, it was weird because they had the first round of the fastest skater, and then we didn't finish the fastest skater for, I think it was two hours after it. And I'm just sitting there being like, oh, we're starting with fastest skater, and then we don't finish it. Um, the pre-taped stuff was bad, I thought, especially the golf. Really? I, I liked, the, I liked the golf. I thought that was like a good idea. Like, I thought it was a good idea. I just don't think I like the idea of pre-taped events. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I, I thought like, just like you, I thought All-Star Weekend was really boring. Um, for the skills comp, like, I just couldn't like. I couldn't – I don't know what was happening. I don't know if it was, like, the lack of people being at the stadium or the lack of energy or just, like, the lack of, like, players that I care about being in it. Because there was nobody who I really cared about besides Crosby and Ovechkin that were were in it. And I just – I don't know. I I like the idea of trying something new, but I I thought, like, the pre-recorded ideas were good. I thought the dunk tank idea was good. I thought the golf idea was good, but I thought like it might've been just like the state that I was watching it in, but like, I felt like the editing was off. Like I felt Mm -hmm. like it would go from like, especially during the dunk tank thing. Like, like I might be wrong, but it like one of the contestants went up and then they finished and then they did like an interview with them, which I thought is this, which is like the stupidest thing ever. Like why, are you interviewing people during the skills comp? It doesn't make any sense. You're going to get the same dry response. And it's, it was just so stupid. Like, Oh, we were trying to get pucks deep into the ocean. Yeah. It's just like, why are you having sideline reporters like interview people? Like it's so dumb. And then like, so the interview was going on and then they cut to the next contestant who was already done. I was like, it's a pre-recorded event. Why are you, why is the editing so bad on this? Like, I just didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, the hockey hockey interviews during the skills competition. Then you just have PK Subban skating around all the time during the skills competition, and it's like, why why are you here? And then Pat Maroon's on the benches. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I thought like why like I like why did they invite Pat Maroon? Like why was he there? Why what did he add? I I don't know. I couldn't tell you. And then like oh dude, and also like. Oh my God! You know when they did like the shootouts, like the shootout stuff with like you know Pasternak did it, Crosby and Ovechkin did it, and then they would interview the judges. I was like, why the fuck are you interviewing the judges? I was like, and the judges gave like the worst answers, and like or like they just wouldn't, like just flat out didn't answer the question. I'm like, you need to like these people clearly don't know about hockey, so stop like 
stop like interviewing them. And also like it's a gimmicky it's a gimmicky event. So like you're not gonna get serious answers or answers that like matter. So I just didn't understand the point of having the sideline reporters there. Yeah. See what the thing about the breakaway thing is that they saw that the NBA's most successful skills event is the slam dunk contest. Right. And they said, we want to copy that. But the problem is that hockey doesn't lend itself to that sort of, I don't want to say, it doesn't lend itself to that sort of event. Mm -hmm. It lends itself to more things like fastest skater, accuracy shooting, hardest shot, which are great events. And I enjoyed watching those events. But having David Pasternak take a putter from center ice and shoot it wide, like that doesn't, in a happy Gilmore sweater with Linus Olmark dressed up as a golf caddy, that doesn't appeal to me. I just think like they're trying to get like the casual fans or they're trying to get people who weren't involved into hockey, like into it. But it just came off as like, it just came off as like gimmicky. And it kind of like, it kind of like, for people who actually care about hockey, they didn't they didn't tune into the game, and I felt like that was that was a big issue. Do casual fans want to see Mitch Marner and PK Subban shooting the shit on the ice in the middle of the skulls competition? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if it seemed organic, yeah. I mean, I liked I liked the, before the All Star game started. I liked I liked when Subban interviewed McDavid and McKinnon in the locker room because. While that felt gimmicky, it felt organic, and it felt like they actually liked the interview questions. But, like, interviewing someone on the ice, like, after they've done a gimmicky thing, and they know it's gimmicky, and they just did it because they were told to, like, it just doesn't seem like, it just seems scripted. It just seems kind of weird, like, when Crosby and Ovechkin did their thing before they went on, and before they went on, and they, and, like, Subban had them sign his jersey, like, what, like, that felt so like it felt so weird. It felt so like gimmicky. Yeah, I just, I just look at that and I go, well, where do you go from here when you're I, looking I, at next year in Toronto? Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I did like the pre-recorded stuff. I thought it was a good idea. Like, I I want to touch before we move on to improvements. The dunk tank, like the dunk take thing, another issue that I had with that is that they were shooting pucks into the ocean. And the second thing is when pucks would hit the boards, the surfboards wouldn't fall over sometimes. I'm just like, how hard do they have to shoot it to, to let them fall over? It's also a pre-recorded event. So, like, you could have done multiple takes or you could have done multiple times to get it right so that when someone hit the puck, the board would fall over. But uh, it's just... It's it's so dumb. And then another thing before we move on, and I think this could go for improvements. Do not have the fucking all-star game on ESPN again. I beg of you. Put it to TNT. All right. Have biz. Have have people who are actually like fun and entertaining to watch. I don't want to see Steve Levy, Chelios, and Mark Messier try to act like they're having fun. Like, please just move it to TNT. TNT, I think can can do so many things better with it you know they can have charles barkley there because charles barkley likes hockey like there's so many more things that tnt could do and i think this also just like it it curves into my bias about that i think tnt is doing a better job than espn is 
at growing the game. So I'm I'm gonna let you know that's not gonna happen because it's in the contract that ESPN gets the All Star game for the next five years. I know, but it sucks. I know, but I just I agree with you. I think TNT could do a lot more with it. They do a good job in their presentation of the NBA All Star game. They do a they do a good job in their presentation of the Winter Classic usually. Mm-hmm. So. I think TNT does more to make an event seem special. I think because TNT only has NBA and the NHL, as far as sports goes, they also have March Madness, obviously, but I feel like they definitely have more like things to like do with it. And they've done more stuff with like ESPN, like as far as socials go, barely posts hockey. It barely posts it at all. And NHL has their own Instagram page on TNT. Like Bleacher Report and TNT partnered up to create their own Instagram page for hockey to continue to grow the sport. So I just think TNT is just leaps and bounds above ESPN because ESPN has so many like bigger like fish to fry. And that's why mm-hmm. I, I – and also the guy who runs the Instagram social – like the Instagram account for ESPN just likes to, you know – just likes LeBron too much. So every like every third post is a LeBron post, and now that he's broken the stupid NBA scoring record, everyone's freaking out. By the way, did you watch that game where LeBron um, broke the record? I was at work. I think it was like I think he broke it like ten minutes before I got off. So oh, no, yeah. I didn't I, watch it. Was that was it televised? Like I thought the game. Yeah, was it was on TNT. Okay, Tuesday. I was night. about to say. I was about to say. Yeah. Um. No, someone I knew was at the game, and I think he just was, like, he got, like, the tickets off of, like, pure happenstance. Like, he bought it before LeBron was slated to break the record, but... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, of course, it's impressive. I think LeBron James is the GOAT. There's no arguing that, but this is a NHL podcast, not an NBA podcast, especially because I barely watch the NBA, so I shouldn't yeah. have any takes on here. Fair enough. All right. Um, as we mentioned, next year, All-Star Weekend heading to Toronto. I saw something interesting that said the um, NHL was going to try to keep the All-Star game in either sort of southern markets in the U.S. or big hockey markets, your Toronto, New York, etc. Which, yeah. I mean, makes sense. It's a good event to use to grow the game. But apparently, according to the NHL, the All-Star game on Saturday was sold out. However, watching the game gave an impression that there were probably five to 10,000 tickets that didn't get sold. Yeah, I mean, it was probably, I mean, I think, and I have this in my notes as suggestions for improvements, you already touched upon it. I think one of like the major improvements the NHL can make is hold the all-star game, hold the all-star game in established markets, hold, hold the NHL all-star game. In, in places that care about hockey. It makes it seem like hockey isn't dead, makes the players feel more special, feels more cared about. And yeah, it's not a vacation for the players. And I use vacation in air quotes because that's why they have it in, have it in Florida or something like that because they want to make it seem like, oh, it's summer break or you're going somewhere. But it's just like, it's just... It's just dumb to hold it in places like Florida who have given like who've shown time and time again, even with a marketable team like the Panthers or a good team like the Panthers, that they really don't give a shit about hockey. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Just if even Tampa is a decent hockey market, at least more so than Broward County, Florida is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I don't understand why you'd hold it in a place like, I'm pretty sure the Panthers arena is kind of like off the beaten path. Like you kind of, you kind of have to go out of your way to get to it. And there's, there's like so many other things that you can do in Florida in the Miami area than go to an NHL all-star game stuff. That's definitely cheaper. Like, I don't know how many, I don't know how much tickets are to an NHL all-star game, but I'd much rather go. If I were going to Florida, I'd much rather go to, a Miami, a Miami Heat game, or mm-hmm. or something, or something like that. That's less off the beaten path and probably a lot cheaper than NHL All Star tickets. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I mean, the one thing is with putting the NHL All Star game in South Florida, you're not going to get like people, Boston fans, to be like. Yeah, I was I was on the fence about taking a trip to Florida, but now that the All Star Game is there and I can see that, I'm definitely going to go visit Florida for a long weekend. That just yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's just like I think that's just like the peril and like just like the danger of having an All Star Game in general and like just places that are kind of out of the way for a lot of fans because like nobody is nobody's going to pay all-star tickets if only no one like no Edmonton Oiler fan is going to go to Florida for a weekend to see McDavid and fucking Stuart Skinner no one's going to do that no one's like no Oilers fan is going to want to do that no Penguins fan is going to go to Florida because Crosby's there and I I just think a, a big improvement would be to I know I know the NHL th- thought it was doing something smart by implementing like a player from every but like a player from every team but it just it just it just turns into like just one player from my team like why would I want to go down to the NHL All-Star game to see like one player from my team Yeah you know people were definitely coming from Philadelphia to see Kevin Hayes block some shots in the All-Star game yeah, I mean, it just it just turns into a a pretty good game. Like, it doesn't turn into like an all star game. Like, I don't know. Like, Kevin Hayes shouldn't be making an all star game. Like, he like he just shouldn't be. Like, nobody on the Flyers should be making an all star game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Did you see what the Flyers did? They um, sent a letter to all the fans from John Tortorella, like no, saying, I, I, "Oh, yeah, I think I did see something like, yeah, I think I did see something like that." You can ex- you can explain it, but yeah, I think I did see it. Yeah. It, so they had John Tortorella send a letter to all the Flyers season ticket holders, saying that the team was quote very much in the building stages. Yeah, I thought he said something like, "Oh, we're not we're not there yet," or something like that. Like. Like he's like, I appreciate your support, but we're not there yet, or something yeah. crazy like that. It just seems like the you know when the Tampa Bay Lightning got got swept by the Blue Jackets and they put out like a like an apology letter. It just seems kind of kind of dumb like that. But I I don't know. I, <laughs> if you're the Flyers, like the Flyers, don't they want like Comcast to sell the team or whoever the fuck owns it? I 
I do not follow Philadelphia ownership problems yeah. personally. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like the like the Flyers faithful really wants like whoever owns the franchise to sell the team. So this just seems like kind of like a marketing ploy to me. Yeah. Um trade deadline, we still have three weeks to go. However, there's still been some big trades. The first one, Bo Horvat of the Vancouver Canucks before the all-star break was traded to the New York Islanders in a package that saw among others, Anthony Beauvillier going to Vancouver. And what was funny was last night, Vancouver played the Islanders and Beauvillier scored what would the game winning goal. Didn't Horvat also score though? I thought Horvat scored. I I don't maybe I think maybe he did, but it's just funny how you trade for Bo Horvat and one of the small pieces you send back scores the game winning goal on you. Yeah, I think I think there's like very few trades where like both teams make out pretty good. And I think this is one of those trades where both teams made out pretty good. I mean if you're the Islanders, you tr- you trade for Horvat because he's going to be a guy who can get you like 30, 30 goals a season, maybe. And you you also sign him because correctly they thought they could sign him long term, and, and and they did. But I think eight years is kind of on the side of insanity. Like I think that's, I think that's kind of a weird extension to sign a 27 year old to an eight year extension. But, you know, I might, I might, I might be proven wrong by Bo Horvat, the God, but like, like he's like his best season is this season right now. He's got 33 goals. That's the most goals he's ever scored in his career so far. And Horvat, he's not getting, he's 27. He's not, He's not getting any better. What you have right now is probably what you're going to get for him for maybe two or three seasons, and then he's going to regress. Once mm-hmm. he gets 29, 30, I think they might start to uh, regret the decision a little bit because I think this stage in his career, like I just said, he isn't getting any better. But I'd like to hear the, your thoughts about what you feel about the contract extension. I don't mind the eight years as much as I mind the AAV of eight and a half million with it. I think that's a pretty big overpay. I honest, because you said he's 27 right now. So in his age 34 season, you're going to be paying him eight and a half million. (laughs) This seems like, this seems like one of those contracts that could completely wreck the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like a little bit of, like of a desperation signing. Like we're not like because the Islanders right now are not a Bo Horvat away from being competitive, and I know I use that term a lot. They're not a blank player away from being competitive, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it just concerns me how you already have Bobby Bonilla in Long Island, and now you have Bo Horvat who might get bought out. Uh, Rick Di Pietro, another Rick Di Pietro situation. Uh, but yeah, Brian I mean, Suter situation, if you will. I mean, he's not like Bo Horvat is not going to be a a fifty goal scorer. Do do they have him? Do they have Horvat on the top line? I'm pretty sure they have him playing on the top line because okay, Barzal, just, 
Barzalis has been pretty poor with face-offs, so it makes yeah, sense to move him to the way. The direction of the Islanders that that Bo Horvat's on your top line, but I mean, I just I don't know. Like, is Bo Horvat like a top liner on any team that isn't the Islanders or Canucks or Ducks or or like like is Bo Horvat a top line player on any team that's competitive? Like, is Bo Horvat a top liner on the Bruins? The Bruins wanted to trade for him and put him on the third line. Yeah. Yeah. Give, it's just, well, to, to be fair, we also have Taylor Hall on our third line. So <laughs> that's just Boston. But yeah. I mean, he. I don't think he's a franchise center now. Like the Penguins need, the Penguins need like whatever help they can get. And I don't even think Bo Horvat's a top liner on the Penguins. Like I just, I just, uh, I don't know. Eight, eight by eight and eight. Eight by eight point five just seems like you're right. The money is weird. Uh, you're not mad about the years, but the years definitely uh, the years definitely frustrate me. But I, you know what is funny? Did you see Lou Lamoretto made him shave? God, he Lou did. Lam- yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure. Let me like let me Google it, but I'm pretty sure Lou made him shave. Lou, Lou, we're only gonna have theme nights for the required NHL events Lamorello. Yeah, lose rules. Horvat forced to go clean shaven uh after trade from Canucks. And like he didn't like look at Horvat. Like he doesn't even have that much facial hair. Like it's crazy. Yeah, like what what what's going to happen when the Islanders draft a player who's Sikh? Are they going to make him shave? I don't fucking know, bro. But it's so stupid, bro. And like the Islanders are such like a second-rate fucking franchise. He's trying to act like they're the goddamn New York Yankees. Like, dude. I know. You need to like calm down, bro. Like, it's not that <laughs> serious, bro. Like, what? Like, what are you gonna make? Like, I just hate owners like that. And this is another tangent, but like, just like the Yankees making players shave and they can't have long hair and like. Other like just it's so stupid. Like especially are they allowed to are they allowed to grow facial hair in the playoffs or no? The the, the Islanders. The Islanders. I don't know. I I I didn't even know. Like I would like I literally like for this episode I just googled like like Bo Horvat just to see like stats and everything. And the first thing that popped up was Lou Lamorello forces. Uh, Lou Lamorello makes Horvat shave. And I just, I started to think, like, are there, like, any other Islanders players who've had facial hair? Like, I mean, like, not I really don't know. Like, Tavares kind of had, like, a five o'clock shadow, but, like, not, like, <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah, granted, my knowledge of the facial hair of the New York Islanders isn't exactly the strongest. However, I can't remember anything. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just dumb that owners, like, owners impose that kind of, like, especially because, like, why, why, like, like, what are you, like, like, what is clean shaven, like, what does that, like, what does that do, like, they're hockey players, bro, it's not like baseball, where, like, dumb rules are, like, stupid, like, where, like, dumb rules just, like, live in infamy (laughs) for, like, forever. Yeah, well, you know, if you're clean shaven, it's, it takes away air resistance so you can skate faster. Yeah, you can definitely skate faster. You definitely look clean cut. You definitely look better in front of the media. Like, come on, bro. Yeah. So just, stupid. Yeah. 
There's a Mike Milbury joke in there somewhere about what he would say, I think, but we'll just kind of leave it at that. <laughs> um, so Carolina, they've been widely rumored to be one of the teams looking to make a move at the deadline. They put Max Pacioretty on LTIR, which frees up $7 million more in cap space. I think they're currently at around $10 million right now with that move. I mean... Carolina is going to make a move. This isn't exactly a secret right now. I mean, yeah, they're definitely going to make a move, and this definitely opens up a lot of cap space, like you just said. I mean, it definitely sucks for Pacioretty. I mean, I mean, like he's like what thirty four. He's got like three goals and eight assists and thirty four games played. I mean, I think it's time for Pacioretty to hang up the skates because, like, it's the same Achilles he tore. Um last year for Vegas that caused him to have like this whole offseason injury. So I think it's just time for him to hang up the States. Um, but I don't know who Carolina like goes, goes after. I mean, I really don't like for Carolina, like right now, are you like aiming for a player to get you over that hump, like a playoff rental type player, or are you trading for a player you think you can sign long-term? I honestly don't know. And that'll be something we discuss when we get to these sort of potential players that could be making move at the deadline. First up is Timo Meyer for San Jose. The Sharks, not a competitive team. It's pretty considered canon at this point that Timo Meyer is getting moved. He is a pending UFA after this year, has a cap hit of $6 million, but San Jose can definitely retain up to half of that salary if they want. Yeah, I mean, if he's a UFA, um, I'd imagine he gets signed to a team that's trying to make a playoff push because I don't think a lot of teams want to have that hassle of trying to sign uh, Timo Meyer in the offseason, unless you think you can sign him long-term. I don't know how many teams who are currently in the market think they can do that, but with Horvat. And now Tarasenko both off the market. Meyer's definitely a top target for most teams. Um, I would say with the newly acquired cap space, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hurricanes make a push for Meyer because he is going to be an undrafted. He, he is going to be a unrestricted free agent. I don't know why I said undrafted, but you know, I think I think he, it makes perfect sense for the Hurricanes to get him. I think that kind of pushes him. Over that top, um, I was also seeing like the rumor mill that the Devils might also like want him. So I don't know unless the Devils think they can sign him long term. I don't think the Devils are in a position to be making playoff push rentals. Yeah, I definitely agree. You don't make a playoff push rental unless you think you have a realistic shot of winning the cup with it. Mm-hmm. It so for that reason, I. I don't know if the Devils see themselves making on a cup, making a cup push. It, they kind of remind me of the Rangers last year, where they have this kind of unproven team, mm-hmm. but very successful in the regular season. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the right time to put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, which is why I think he's like perfect for Carolina because I think Carolina is already really, really stacked. Like I think they're already yeah. really good. Like they don't really need to be making a whole bunch of moves, but this move can definitely, you know, throw them, throw them a little bit over the top. Now, somebody else, and 
this is a player who's been discussed as a trade target since the very beginning of the season is Jacob Chikrin of the Arizona Coyotes. He does, after this year, he has two additional seasons left on his contract at a cap hit of $4.6 million. Now, Arizona is under no trouble to retain half that salary, which is the maximum allowed. But will somebody offer something that's worth it? I think, you know, Chikrin is a great defenseman. And I'd, I'd love the Pens to make a move for him. Absolutely love the Pens to make a move for him. But the asking price from what I've been looking at, the Coyotes want two first-round picks and a prospect. And the Pens farm system just isn't deep enough to give up like a prospect that I wouldn't mind seeing leave the organization. And two first-round draft picks is really steep from an organization that is, from the Pens' perspective, like really fucking old. <laughs> like really old, like yeah, no, nothing in the tank really. So I just wouldn't want to give up those like two first round draft picks. But I wouldn't be surprised if your Bruins make a crazy run at him. Yeah, I mean the blue line is probably the best place to put somebody like him. I mean we're building around McAvoy and Lindholm as our first defensive pairing, so he could easily slot into that second pairing with a Mac Rizlick or a Brandon Carlo. It's just, I feel like the Bruins have sort of the same issue where the prospect pool isn't that deep. I remember at the beginning of the season in top to bottom organizational talent, mm-hmm. we ranked 32nd out of 32 teams and we really haven't done a lot to improve that. I mean, we do have Fabian Lysel widely considered to be our best prospect but I don't know if we're in a position to send him in a trade to Arizona to get Jacob Chikrin as well as draft picks, mm-hmm. which is my concern. Mm-hmm. Then again, I wouldn't necessarily be upset because I feel like the sort of message around the Bruins is this is probably it for Bergeron and Krejci. Let's make one more push. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I would sort of be okay with putting all the chips on the table, even though it may screw us long term right yeah yeah i just like uh, i don't know like who pays that kind of premium for jacob chicken like i don't know what team is willing to give up that i think i wouldn't be surprised if the devils are devils would give that up because they're kind of just a young team and i don't think they need a whole lot of like draft picks but i honestly i honestly don't know Oh, can we um can we include Mitchell Miller in that trade as the prospect? Oh, uh, Mitchell Miller, yes, <laughs> yes, because he was he was originally drafted by the Coyotes, and then the Bruins said, "Hey, let's try to sign him." That that ended up being a great idea, definitely successful from a PR standpoint. The best move ever made by the Bruins. Yeah, definitely, definitely not that trade where we got Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar for Anders Bjork in a third. No. No. Doesn't even compare. All right. Um, In other potential trade deadline acquisitions is um, Patrick Kane. Now, he has gone on record after the Tarasenko trade saying he was disappointed because New York was one of the places where he saw himself. Yeah. Yeah, so... Kane and Taze are both uh, on the market. Uh... You know, like, uh, like, they're 
unofficially on the market. Like I feel like, like a lot of a lot of certain teams like have made it known that they want to get rid of these players. Uh, I was surprised to see Tarasenko flipped. Honestly, I didn't think he was on the market, but I think that just might be being stupid. But um, this is straight off of Penguins Twitter. Uh, they want Patrick Kane to come here for like a retirement tour with Crosby and I just like, Oh yeah, great. That's just what the penguins need. Another aging star on the wrong side of 30. Um, uh, I just think, you know, you, like you said, it recently came out today that he's pissed that uh, the Rangers signed Tarasenko or I mean traded for Tarasenko and because now the Rangers are most likely not buyers anymore. But I think, I think as far as the Blackhawks go, you have to trade him to a team or like be like, yo, this team is interested in you because he has a no move clause that he has to waive before he can be traded. So I, I don't know like what team is out there on the market that Kane would be willing to go to right now. I'm going to say this and now this is not fact whatsoever, but imagine Kane in the first slot on, in the, on the first line in the right wing for Boston, except Bergeron and Marchand. Yeah. That'd be annoying. Yeah, that would definitely be annoying to play against in the playoffs. It would be good for me, but yeah, I just don't sort of know what kind of price Chicago wants. Yeah, they because, probably want a whole lot of stuff too. Yeah. And then the last player I have oh, on here. I just wanted to say oh, one you thing. have something else? Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Kane or Taze I wouldn't be surprised if Kane isn't moved. I wouldn't be surprised if Taze isn't moved. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them aren't moved by the deadline. Yeah, but because they both have no moves. So yeah. All right. The last player is Dylan Larkin. Now, a lot of people think Larkin's just going to re up with Detroit, and that's going to be it. Um, there have been recent talks that Larkin and Detroit general manager Steve Eiserman are quite far apart. I think. Dylan Larkin could potentially be moved to somewhere to sign long-term. Yeah. Um, what I've seen, I think Larkin wants a Horvat-type deal. So Horvat getting that kind of deal is is good for, for Larkin because now he knows there's there's a market for, for deals like that to be made. And I, I don't th- – I think he's – I honestly don't know. Like, there's not like a whole like. Is there like really a market for him? Like, I haven't seen like a lot of people like willing like. I haven't heard a lot of like rumblings of like teams like really like wanting to sign this guy or really trade for him or go after him. But I think he might end up with like. I think he might end up like on a trash team like uh, Ottawa. But you know, you're going from trash to trash, so it really doesn't matter where you yeah. like. The- the one place I've heard he might be going is Boston. And it makes some sense when you think about that Bergeron and Krejci are very close to retiring and Boston's going to sort of need that number one center of the future. So I could actually see Boston trading for Larkin. And if you're resigning him for seven, eight years, I am completely fine with sending over Fabian Lysel or whatever other prospect you have, even along with a first-round pick, which is probably what it would take. I'm completely fine with that if you can sign Dylan Larkin to a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. But that's just me, and I'm sure lots of Bruins fans disagree. Mm-hmm. Right. Any other players I didn't mention that you think could be on the move? Um, 
Not really. I, I, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, all right. So then we can move on to the game pick segment. The lead last week for me was nine points. The lead this week for me is nine points. Um, so we start Sunday afternoon with the San Jose Sharks traveling to our nation's capital to face the Washington Capitals. I always feel like the Capitals get the Sunday afternoon Super Bowl game. Like, I always feel like they get that. Like, it's it's crazy how often they get it. But, um, you know, the Sharks are bad. <laughs> we discussed it earlier in the episode with them getting rid of Team Meyer. Um, I don't know what the Caps have done since the All-Star break. But I think, oh, they play – they haven't played since the All-Star break. Um, they play you guys tomorrow, which is Saturday, because we're recording this on Friday, but you'll hear it on Sunday. Um, yeah, I think I got to go with the Capitals on this one. Yeah. San Jose, coming out of the break, they split their first two games. Now, that does include a win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. However, oh. I don't – I don't necessarily see them replicating that performance, and for that reason, I'm going to pick Washington. Next is the newly Tarasenko-less St. Louis Blues. On Tuesday, they'll host the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I mean, the Blues like have lost the Coyotes five to nothing, the Avalanche four to two, the Jets four to two, like. They're just bad. So, I just – and now without Tarasenko, like, I just don't see how they win. So, I, I have to choose Florida. Yeah. I'm not exactly bullish on the Florida Panthers this year. Yeah, they're not they, that great. Yeah, they currently sit one point behind you, but you have four games in hand for that last wild card spot. How do you have so many games in hand over everyone around you? Do you know? Mm, I literally, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like the Penguins have like been playing like every other night or or something like that or or something like that. Like, I I don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh, we didn't, we didn't. We, our last game before the All Star break was like a week before the All Star game. Like we didn't play like for a solid like couple of days before the All Star game. So maybe that has something to do mm-hmm. with it because there's teams that get like a couple of days off before the All Star game or the All Star game and then a couple of days after the All Star game. Like they get a little bit. So you know, coaches always use that excuse like, "Oh, we're, we're rusty because we're about the All Star break. We didn't get the blah blah blah." But like they ask, like teams ask for it. So yeah. All right, I'm taking Florida as well. I just don't see that St. Louis has the talent, even at home, to win yeah. this game. And then Wednesday night on TNT, 9:30 p.m. Colorado Avalanche head to Minnesota. Colorado has been trending up. Minnesota has been trending down as of late. But they currently sit tied on points. Yeah, uh, you said trending up. I feel like Colorado hasn't really found themselves since the All-Star break. They lost to the Pens 2-1, to and they lost to Tampa 5 to nothing last night. So I don't know what to think about them at this point. 
Uh, I'm going to take Minnesota in an upset. Minnesota in an upset. Colorado was just doing really well. They were – they won seven of their last eight going into the All-Star break. They've had this little blip losing to Pittsburgh and then Tampa. Kale McCarr is out. And I think somebody else is out for them as well. But they get Tampa again on Tuesday and then have to travel to Minnesota on Wednesday. I'm still going to take Colorado. I just feel like they have the better talent overall. All right. And then um, I put a second St. Louis Blues game on here, apparently. Um, That's against the New Jersey Devils on Thursday. I didn't mean to do that, but I guess that's the game we're picking. (laughs) Um, Like I said, I think the Blues are just bad. So, you know, I got to take New Jersey. Yeah, I'm going to take New Jersey as well. Don't know why I put two St. Louis home games in the same week, but that's what I did when I was making this. And then for our final game, the Kansas City Scouts make an almighty return to face the Philadelphia Flyers at Super Bowl 57 on Sunday. I know this isn't a football podcast, but figured I'd throw it in. Uh, yeah, so I believe the Chiefs are going to win this one. Uh, I want them to win because I don't like the Eagles. Um, I want them to win really bad. Um, I think just like Burrow did last year, I think Hertz is going to fold under the pressure and the Eagles are going to have to kind of, uh, like claw their way, like, or just like win this game on their defense if they, if they can like even have a chance in this game. Um, But I think just in the playoffs, the Eagles kind of had a cupcake schedule, you know, they kind of had, they kind of had the giants who kind of fluked their way into the win in Minnesota. And then they had to play the Brock Purdy less 49ers. And the NFC is just a weak division in my opinion. And the AFC is just a gauntlet, like winning in the AFC is more impressive than winning in the NFC. So I think I just got to take the chiefs in this one. Um, just as long as it's it's a good Super Bowl. Like, I just want it to be uh, competitive because all the Super Bowls while I've been in college have been shit. Yeah. Um, so, I both quarterbacks in this game aren't necessarily 100%. I mean, Jalen Hurts still has that issue with the shoulder. Patrick Mahomes still has that leg injury. So, I think, to me, the game will just come down to which quarterback is healthier. Mm-hmm. And I think Mahomes has proven in the, especially in the AFC championship that he can power through his injury that he has. He's proven that he has the sort of toughness about him to do that. Mm. Jalen hurts. He's sort of more unproven, both under pressure and with injury issues. I think Kansas city kind of will kind of run away with this one, to be honest. I mean, they have, I think they're better running the actually now they're not better running the ball, but I think they have the better O line as well, mm-hmm. which will help them, which will give Mahomes more time and less reliance on his legs. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, pick Kansas city. All right, guys. Well, that is going to wrap up the 10th episode. Unless Jack, you have anything else you want to add? I do not have anything I want to add. I will just say that I wonder if any, NHL GMs are jealous about that NBA trade deadline and we'll try to pull some more moves because of it. 
I was about to say the NBA trade down with the NBA trade deadline was kind of exciting. Like it normally yeah. is pretty exciting, but this year was pretty good. So uh, guys that wraps up the 10th episode of the stick and puck podcast. And we'll get back to you guys soon with uh, episode number 11. Thanks. Thank you.